talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Artist Interview. I'm your host, Gordon T, and it's my absolute privilege and pleasure. Pleasure. I've got a new word in the, in the dictionary. Dan, <laughs> if you leave that in, I'm going to be annoyed. It's, it's my absolute privilege and pleasure to scour the world and bring to you artists from the world of contemporary Christian music to hear more of their stories and their great tracks. And this week, we're going to somewhere we haven't been before. We've been all around America, around Europe, Australia. But this week, we're going to be going to Hawaii and listening to some music from a guy who is with YWAM in Kona. So before we meet Chris McCall, let's hear this first track. And it's called Forever I'm Satisfied. And that was Forever I'm Satisfied by Chris McCall and Leslie Jordan. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're really looking forward to hearing a bit about your story. Now, I mentioned that you're with YWAM in Kona. So I guess I'd like to know two stories, really, because I'd like to know the story of Chris McCall and what God's done yeah. in your life. But I'd also like to know the story of YWAM and YWAM Kona. And the reason I think that might be interesting to numbers of our listeners is that, well, we've been doing the artist interview now for a few years, and we keep on having artists who tell us, I did a DTS with YWAM and it changed my life. I did this and that, and it was amazing. <laughs> and so to actually talk to someone who is still with YWAM doing the things that YWAM mm. does is very cool. So just to name some names, so Franny Ray from We The Kingdom, She's been with DTS with YWAM. I think she was at Kona as well. Is that right? She was in Kona. Okay. Yeah, she was in Kona. Um, uh, oh, gosh. Uh, Jordan Sincere. Um, he's a Canadian guy. I'm not sure where he did it, but he just mentioned how amazing it had been for him. So, um, in fact, lots and lots of people that I talk to say YWAM, best thing they ever did. So, before I talk to you much about the fact it's the best thing ever, and I've done YWAM <laughs> many years ago, you better tell us what YWAM is. Yeah, so... That's amazing how, how many people YWAM has touched. So in case anyone doesn't understand what YWAM means, it's actually an acronym for Youth with a Mission. And it's a training organization uh, in Christianity. It's all denominations, uh, interdenominational. Um, it is uh, intergenerational. And uh, it, it's a really amazing place to learn how to take uh, being a follower of Jesus and, and use your following Jesus than to go to wherever he would lead you in the world to share his love and get trained on how to do that. So Youth with a Mission trains up missionaries to go uh, anywhere in the world. And I happen to be at the uh, training base in Kona, Hawaii. Uh, it's an amazing place to be uh, stationed at. It's an amazing place to uh, get training. We have about Man, we're going to probably have around 2,000 people this next coming quarter in September, which is incredible to hear and to see. And, um, and what's interesting about YWAM is it's been around for a little over 60 years. And uh, I just recently was at the first training base in Luzon, Switzerland, just over two weeks ago, just about two weeks ago. And to see where the original first training schools were at to now where it's come from, where it's gone to now, it, it completely blows my mind. Uh, but it, it, the, in the easiest, simplest sense of understanding YWAM, it is a training uh, organization for Christian missionaries. Yes, I'm going to say yes, because I agree with you. But it's also so much more, and that's, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's extraordinary, all the things that YWAM has going on. So yeah. um, some people describe it as being parachurch, because it's there to support and be alongside the church, but it isn't a church in itself. Yeah. But it's certainly involved in helping churches plant churches and all sorts of things mm -hmm. like that. So, um, but, um, so for my wife and I, we didn't go to YWAM to become missionaries. So many years ago, we went to YWAM because we said, you know what, we're, we've been Christians for quite a few years 
and we're sure there's more and we want to get ourselves a little bit solid in our foundation uh, and so doing it was a three-month training course and then we did so we did that we did it in the uk i i, mm. I don't know we, people weren't very adventurous back there we weren't we did it in the uk we did we did it in the midlands in non-eaton it's an it's a sort of a nowhere place but god used it uh, but then mm. our outreach we did go to cyprus and lebanon which was mm. absolutely mind-blowingly weird you know because just the cultures i'm not used to but god does great stuff yeah. and really helped grow us up but also taught us a lot about him and if i'm right if it's still the same so that the the motto for why one was to know god and to make him known um yeah so and it's it's a great opportunity for the people within it to find out more about his love and then go and share his love um to yeah. other people as well so which is super cool so but you're yes. at kona kona has sort of a, well i believe a special sort of um department within it's the music department there which is sort of the head base for YWAM music yeah. tell us a little bit about about that side of things because that's obviously the bit you're mainly involved in is that right yeah that's correct um I, I do two main things here on in Kona and that's uh to be a part of YWAM Kona music and help write songs and to lead worship for our community uh pretty much any day of the week we do contending mornings every morning which is simply all of us on campus coming together in our prayer room to worship and pray for something specific from eight to nine, usually. And Sorry, just, just uh, to check, I thought you said mm -hmm. that there were 2,000 people on your campus. Yeah. You've there's got a room that to, well, is big enough for 2,000 people? So, well, so what happens is we, we, uh, we have a huge space that's sort of outdoors slash indoors. So it's a basketball court, the huge roof, and we have a huge stage in there. And so everyone gathers on the basketball court, which we call Ohana court, which is like the family room basically of our campus. And that's where everyone gathers together to worship and pray together. And wow. um, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. You would look at the place and go like, well, it looks like everyone's just playing basketball right now. And then it kind of gets too crowded for anyone to play basketball and everyone gets set up. And then we have this amazing worship time there. We've got the lights and everything, but it's all outdoors. It's pretty incredible. And, uh, and then Monday mornings and Thursday nights are kind of like our corporate corporate where everyone, including people from the community can come in and gather together with us to pray and hear or to worship and hear a message. Uh, so I'm a part of that and helping with that community. And then I also lead uh, the school of worship. So as we continue to talk about YWAM, YWAM is so multifaceted inside of YWAM, we also have this university called University of the Nations. And so you have upper level schools that people can take classes in and even eventually get uh, an associate's degree, bachelor's degree, master's degree. And I run a course inside of the university called the School of Worship here in Kona. So those are kind of the two main things that I'm a part of in Kona. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty exciting. So <laughs> do you know how, how many YWAM bases are there around the world? Do you know what it is? Oh, I think it's somewhere around 1,600. Okay, there's there's quite a lot. It's bigger than I knew. So okay, there's there's <laughs> yeah. loads of and how how many nations is why I'm in? Ooh, that's that's a good question. Um, gosh, that is totally escaping my um my brain at the moment. But I just may need to have another cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I I don't know the answer, but it's going to mm. be rather a lot, isn't it? On the, it is a lot. It, Yes. It, if you if you can think of a nation, quite likely YWAM's there, unless it's North Korea. And if they were <laughs> in North Korea, they wouldn't be able to tell you. So um, yes. so you know, one of the, one of those mysteries as to whether they're there or not. But but exactly. it's huge, and there's a phenomenal number of people who've been through YWAM over the years and been massively blessed by it. So it'd be interesting to hear a bit about your story and how you got involved in YWAM, how you first met Jesus. Uh, and how music uh, has become so central to, to your mm. worship in him. Yeah, so it's so interesting. Uh, growing up, music has always been a part of my life. I grew up in the church. Uh, but somehow, it, around 2011, 2012, I remember the Lord actually, in a time of prayer, actually asking me to lay down music. I was pastoring a church in California at the time, in Southern California. And, and so... This was a time my wife and I had gotten married in 2010. We had just had our first uh, child in 2011. And uh, so this time of just pastoring and leading a church, the Lord was having me lay down music. So I didn't actually play music at all much. Even I felt the Lord said to not even write songs for a period of time. Up until that point, when my, when my wife met me, I was in a rock band playing in Hollywood and all over the place in California. Cool. 
and and just using that to just try to bring joy to people's lives wherever we might go. And so during this period of time, I just kind of laid it down, was concentrating on leading a church well, pastoring well, learning how to become a, a father well, all of those things. And then around 2016 uh, was a moment in time where we went to a big gathering. And during that gathering, we just felt as if the Lord was telling us, hey, change is, gonna, is coming soon. And by the end of that summer in 2016, we were almost we were about 99% certain that the Lord was actually asking us to go to YWAM and go to Kona. My wife had done her DTS in 2008 into 2009, but I'd never done one. So then 2017 of January, we, we sold everything. Basically I grabbed all my gear and we felt like the Lord said, music is what you're going back into. And we went and I did my DTS in Kona. And from then on out, I've just started writing again and started recording again. And I wouldn't have had any clue that that Jesus was working out this thing in YWAM Kona music to have us start releasing music and start getting music out into the world in ways we hadn't done before with a partnership with Integrity Music. And I just happened to be moved there at about the year before everything started moving and wow. just c- could not have expected it to be uh the timing to be any more perfect than that, but it really was a sense that the Lord was moving me back into music and to asking me to record and write again. And, and it's been a wild journey since 2017, that's for sure. But I, man, I'm just, um, I'm so shocked, excited and amazed at the, how big God is and how he would take me from even five years of not even doing any music playing anywhere. And, and every once in a while helping with some junior hires in their, youth group uh, to being on a stage in Kona and then having the opportunity to go around the world and lead worship and, and help people um, come into the presence of God. Wow. What a beautiful thing to get to do. Yeah. Uh, and that's fantastic. So you mentioned about selling everything. You said you sold everything yeah. to go to, to our, now unless things have changed, my understanding of why I'm <laughs> is that it's a faith based movement and that people there you know, no one, it doesn't matter what your job is, because lots of people have jobs in YWAM. You don't get paid mm. to be with YWAM. You you mm-hmm. pay to be living on the base and to be serving and to be part of that. Is that still the case? That is still the case. Yeah, everyone is a volunteer from the very top uh, leadership all the way down to those who are first coming. Everyone raises their funds uh, to be there. <laughs> Which is just insanely amazing when you think about it. So, so here yes. you are, release, releasing records uh, and uh, raising money um, through through faith and people's <laughs> generosity to actually be serving in this capacity. It's sort of an upside down, back back to front kind of world. But I, I kind of love the way that Jesus does that with stuff. So, um, so yeah. But but it can be challenging. But it's it's an exciting journey. So, could you tell us a little bit about? You turned up to do a DTS. You 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 felt that God was in that. Mm. So what what is what is the DTS? Just unpack that a little bit. Yeah. So DTS uh, stands for Discipleship Training School, and it is uh, for all intents and purposes kind of the entry point into all things YOM, all things University of the Nations. But it is a a basic course in helping people to know God and then to make Him known. So it's giving you the training that you need for three months in a lecture phase style, uh, along with some outreach elements inside of that. And, and of course, since no one's getting paid to do anything on the campus, everyone's volunteering. We are also all volunteering to help keep up the campus, such as like mowing the lawn and weeding and something like that. So students get to help participate with that together with the uh, staff as a work duty in the afternoons. And, and then after that three-month lecture phase, students go out to outreach somewhere in the world. Uh, There's pretty much no place that is untouchable. YWAM has gone there and sent teams there. And then you go and apply everything you've learned in DTS for about two and a half months. And then you come back, celebrate what God's done and have like a graduation at the end of the six months. That sounds amazing. In fact, I know (laughs) know that it is amazing having done it. So so where did you go on your outreach? So I did my outreach in Norway of all places. Um, well, yeah. not, not exactly far from us compared to <laughs> Kona. It's true. And the funny thing was, uh, my wife and I, when we first met, she did her outreach uh, as a single gal in South Africa. And then 
after we met and got married, we went and lived in India for a short period of time as missionaries there. And so we had told God early on, we're willing to go anywhere. We'll go where it's hard. We'll do that, Lord. And so we thought when we came here, we're like, wait, we're going to take our, our kids to India. At the time, we had three kids by then. Or we'll take them to Nepal or something crazy like that. And next thing we know, hey, we, we feel like you guys should go to Norway. I had I honestly had never thought of Norway. Didn't really, I don't ever hardly think of Norway. I didn't even know exactly where Norway was. I just remember watching the Olympics there once as a child uh, on, on TV. So then yeah. I started looking it up. And then we got there and got to grip my heart for Norway and grip my heart for what that could look like as Norway gets gripped even more for the gospel and uh, Jesus and what that could look like for the rest of Europe. And I, I just got excited about it. And we were there for, uh, you know, two and a half months, almost three months. And that was incredible to do that as, as a family, my wife and I with our three kids at that point. Wow. Wow. Amazing to also go with your, with your children as well. I imagine that, mm-hmm. I imagine that's got its challenges, but also probably opens up <laughs> doors as well to conversations with people that perhaps having some children with you just makes you more friendly, accessible, maybe seeing other people with kids and things they can just get along. And it may, it gives you just a moment of opportunity and connection um, where God can, God can do some amazing things. Do you have any stories from your time with YWAM where God's done something that is amazing? Mm, yes, absolutely. Um, it's which which story do I tell? There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that is up to you. And oh, I, I've got to say, you you could tell more than one story if you wanted to. We probably have time, so mm. you could do one story before the next track, and you could do another story after oh, yeah. it if you like. Well, so this was this was an interesting story. Um, uh, some friends of mine are are really a part of helping with an initiative called End Bible Poverty Now. And that's simply saying, hey, which uh, people, groups, and languages still don't have the Bible translated to their language, getting those translations done, and then getting them to those people. And so at one point, uh, I was going on a trip to Myanmar, or as it was known as Burma before, and we were going to uh, deliver Bibles into these kind of unreached villages in the mountains in a mountainous area, I'll just leave it kind of vague at this point, just so that it protects uh, some of those contacts. But while we were there, uh, a man came up to me just to kind of chat and talk. And he was a translator for for part of the group. And as we were chatting, I recognized that, man, I think this guy's a musician. So I asked him, hey, so you're talking about music a lot. What do you do with music? What do you like to do with music? He starts telling me about all the songs he's written, the places he's sung, even was asked to be a part of a Myanmar Idol. But he'd, he'd felt wow. like the Lord had told him there's someone he needs to meet. So he's going to help with this outreach team that was coming to be a uh, translator. I said, that's amazing. And so then as we were chatting, we were actually coming up to do a gathering where we were gathering all of the missionaries who were there from different various parts of the world to be a part of this these couple weeks of gatherings and uh, Bible distribution along with our counterparts in Myanmar to have a worship time. And I was having, I was a part of the worship time with, uh, with them. And so after the worship night, this guy came back up to me and he says, I really need to talk more to you. Can we hang out tomorrow? So we do. And he starts telling me this whole story of, man, someday I did my DTS in this place and I'm someday want to come to Kona because I want to do a school of worship. And from there, I want to do an SBS, which is called the School of Biblical Studies. And uh, he said, I just don't know who to talk to. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there going, I, I am the guy you're supposed to talk to because I'm the guy who accepts people to that school. <laughs> I was, wow. my mind was blown because yesterday he's telling me he felt like the Lord has someone for him to meet here. That was important to his life. And so I said, Hey, I'm the guy that you're wanting to meet. I said, put your application in. Let's see what the Lord will do. Let's just get you, see if we can get you in. And this was in April. The school was going to start at the end of September. He, we get him all through. He's accepted. And um, he somehow gets his visa all squared away, shows up here. And you're supposed to have the deposit paid, everything. I just figured he wouldn't get his visa if he didn't have the money to come because that's typically how it works here. And he shows up. He has no money. It's $50. And he still hasn't paid uh, more than $500 towards his deposit. And I realized you're, he's not gonna be able to stay fast forward. The, he comes a day early. 
The next day, I'm trying to get a hold of him for the registration and everything. I can't get a hold of him. He, he thought to himself, well, if I can't stay, I better enjoy the beach in Hawaii for a day. <laughs> <laughs> Went to the beach, came back. We were able to get uh, allow him to stay for an extra day. Within that day, all his funds came in from random places. People just started walking up to him saying, I felt like the Lord wanted me to give you $1,000. Do you need $1,000? Wow. And, yeah. By the end of 24 hours, he had his full lecture phase paid for. It was incredible. And I thought to myself, I just said yes to going on a trip. That's allowed him to come here all of a sudden. And fast forward, you think of this pandemic and when everything closed down in Myanmar and then with the military coup, um, he's been doing worship trainings in churches all throughout the country, leading schools of worship in the midst of really hard times and seeing God move. And that is just remarkable to me. When just you just say yes to Jesus, go on a trip Absolutely. and then see this happen. Wow, that is a very very <laughs> cool story. And I, I guess some people don't know um, necessarily a lot about the religious situation uh, in Myanmar. Can you can you just tell us a little bit about what it's like? Yeah, so there's uh, there's different areas and there's a lot of different tribes. There's like fifty plus tribes in Myanmar, and there's been a lot of infighting over the years. Uh, but there are many, uh, uh, Buddhism, Buddhism would be one of the primary, one of the top uh, religions in the, uh, in the country. And even the last time I was there with my family, we were able to distribute, uh, Bibles in a village that was, had one had never heard of the name Jesus. Uh, but two also inside of that village, they had a Buddhist monastery where young kids at like eight years old were being sent there to start on their process of becoming uh, Buddhist monks. So it was a very interesting uh, time to have our kids and meeting with other kids and handing them a Bible and then going, how come no one's ever told us about this man, Jesus, before and being able to pray for them and see God touch their life, which was really incredible. But uh, there are some areas that are open to Christianity and there are some areas that are a little more dangerous uh, towards Christianity and even some places that we've gone to in the past where they said, hey, this is a good area here, but you shouldn't walk about a mile north because if you go a mile north, one, there's there's landmines in the ground that are unmarked. So you don't want to. That's dangerous. But also they're just just in that area right over there. They are hostile to the gospel. It's very interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can imagine. But the fact that someone was able to come and get such great training and then <laughs> carry on doing what your heart would be, which is to help people uh, to worship is is wonderful. So yeah. talking of worship, though, we've got another track to, to play from you. It's called Arms of the Father. Uh, and mm -hmm. I believe you wrote this with Matt Redman. Is that right? Yes, Matt Redman and another guy named Sean Mata, who's in um, California. So Matt's living in Southern California these days and happens to be running in all of the different circles that I had been a part of while I was pastoring in Southern California. And uh, that was just such a interesting connection because for a year, my wife had been saying, hey, you should meet Matt and, and write together with him. And I thought, how does one reach out to Matt? <laughs> we should write together. And finally, I, my wife had just been asking me and talking to me about it for about a year. So I went to his website and I messaged saying, hey, I'm with YWAM. I've been writing there. I'm in town, would love to just get coffee. And he is just such a, a genuine guy, such a such a kind person. And somehow the manager sent it on to him and he said, hey, this sounds great. Sounds like we have some real like uh, similar relationships, people that we know, let's get together, have coffee. And that turned into a, a friendship that has really blessed me. And hopefully it's a blessing to him. And we've been, we've written a couple of songs together and hopefully we'll do more in the future. Actually, he was just here in Kona with his family this past summer, his his uh, younger kids did one of the camps, one of the summer camps for the kids. So they were out oh, getting a little wow. bit of a, a holiday and then while their kids were doing the camp, which was pretty cool. That that sounds like a, f a fun place to go with your kids, that's for sure. Yes. So so Arms of the Father, um, what, what's it about in a nutshell? Our family was on this crazy journey of we really believe we want to have our roots super deep here in, in Kona and we're believing for a house and a property where a uh, local church can get trained and equipped, but also be a place of prayer and worship uh, for the local community when other places can't host, or it's just a, a place where 
uh, the local community can be blessed as musicians and find a place to get, you know, recording all that stuff. With all that to say, we felt it was time to, to, to sell our condo and believe for that. So we sold our condo, which we ended up finding, this is in the middle of the pandemic too. So there was, we were going to move on campus, but then things got really hard. Things got shut down for a little bit. So there was really nowhere for us to go. We started a journey of dra- driving around the mainland U.S. and doing ministry until a place opened up. And at some point we found ourselves back in Southern California. And that's in the middle of that wondering, God, you spoke to us about roots deep here. You spoke to us about believing for a house and wondering how long is this going to take? And here we are semi-homeless driving around. We had a place to live, so we can't say homeless. We had a place to stay. We were, we were just continuing to do the Lord's work wherever we went. And that is the context where Matt and I meet and write together. And so, as we were writing, this was the second song that we wrote out of uh, a whole day of songwriting. And Arms of the Father was basically a declaration of he's the father. God is our father, our ultimate father. And I'm his child. And because I'm his child, I can trust that he's going to care for me and that he's so kind, he's so generous, and he's so loving. And no matter what it looks like, no matter what I've gone through, even in my past, He's breaking the chains that's biting me. He's forgiving me. And he's actually walking me through things that I couldn't even imagine I needed to walk through. So that the, it, the, the basic premise of the song is God is a father that we can trust. And that he's actually more powerful than I could ever imagine. Forgiven, you've carried every burden, all my shame forgotten, I have been set. Arms of the Father by Chris McCall from YWAM Kona. And Chris is with us right now for the artist interview. Chris, thanks for all you've shared so far about your journey uh, and the way that God has opened things up for you and done amazing things uh, and also the struggles and the things which don't always go exactly to plan or in our timing. You know, it'd be great if right now you're happy to pray for listeners. Absolutely. Yeah, let's pray. Jesus, we're just so grateful for the kindness you've extended to us. Uh, We thank you, Father, for your mercy, for your grace, your compassion. I pray that we would, uh, as people listening today and uh, together in this moment, that we would just recognize the simplicity of being a child before a father and and, and a father who is loving, a father who is kind, a father who is um, open-handed with all he has. And so we just say thank you for being a good father. We thank you. We just say thank you for um, the ways that you extend your arms around us to hold us and to love us. And so I pray that many of us today would experience your loving kindness in ways we haven't before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're listening in the UK and you're thinking, well, I'd like to find out more about this uh, God that Chris and Gordon are talking about, pop along to www.findachurch.co.uk. There are many churches that would love to help you find out more about God's love. And if you're listening on one of our partner stations worldwide, just contact the studio and ask them, can you recommend a really good church? I'm sure they would love to help you with that. So. Obviously, you're on a journey. You don't know what the future holds, but what's God talking to you about in this season? Wow. Um, Yeah. Part of what I'm really believing for is to see, especially with the school of worship that I lead, there are about 40 plus schools of worship around the world. And and just to go back to that, I Googled it and I found out that there's 160 countries that YWAM is uh, a part of. 
about 160 countries. 160. Yeah. That's that's quite a, a lot, actually. <laughs> so, um, yeah, okay, yes. credit to them, 160. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that, you know, that, that's more countries than this program goes out in. That's incredible. Yeah. When you think I'm, I'm going to have to contact your YWAM bases and tell them, hey, contact the stations, let's get us out there. <laughs> Pro- probably lots of those countries would not want to have our, our, our program because I imagine quite a lot are not very sympathetic to the Christian message. Yeah, I would agree with that probably. And uh, yeah, so the interesting thing for me is, as I'm realizing, as the mission movement moves forward, many of the uh, people groups that still have yet to hear the gospel or have the, the, the Bible in their language are oral learning groups. They, they, they learn by hearing rather than reading. And so there's this thing called oral Bible translation. And so people are recording the Bible in those languages and then delivering those on SD cards. And one of the things we've realized is the best, one of the best ways to engage with scriptures through song. I think we know how important song has been to our lives and even learning the Bible as kids. We all have songs that we knew growing up that we sang to help us know the Bible. And so I've recognized even that that, that same thing is still true, not just for kids, but for adults. And also for these, especially these people groups that learn by hearing. So I'm really trying to figure out how to partner with these these kind of oral Bible translations, identify musicians in these areas, give them some training in songwriting. Hopefully that there's some that know English and their language so we can practice with English so I can make sure things are going well because I understand English, but then go, okay, now let's write a song in your language of, of scripture and then taking those, getting a recording of it and then putting a production around it and then delivering those on the SD cards with the scriptures and having them get the scriptures to hear it spoken and then to hear it sung. So that's really something I'm believing for as we're moving into the future with the schools of worship and even stuff we're implementing right now for this coming school in September. You know, I love that. And so I'm, th- I'm thinking, so what sort of things does that do within our culture or my culture? I don't know. In fact, I'll find out, how old are you, Chris? I, I just turned 40. <laughs> Ah, happy birthday. So I'm um, so I wasn't sure, you see. Uh, so when I was well, do you remember Salty the Singing Songbook? Did you ever watch that as a kid? I did not watch that. I've actually never heard of that. You've missed it. You've missed out on someone who sings the Bible. Uh, uh VeggieTales. Did your kids ever have VeggieTales? Oh yes, definitely VeggieTales. VeggieTales. Okay. So so even within English speaking culture there there've been plenty of things that are accessible for children and so many amazing hymns and songs that go back over the generations over time which are just so rich in bible verse and truth and so the idea that you're using that as a learning technique um it sounds to me so so sensible because for some reason it's so much easier to learn a song than it is to sit and learn yes. a passage of scripture so um so yeah. it's it's a great it's a great tool to do so so that's something that you're hoping to be able to do it's not something that you're doing at this time or uh, I've, I've done it a couple times in Myanmar, but we're really trying to lay out a better plan for how we could see schools of worship globally uh, really move into this as part of their outreaches and recognizing uh, we have something to give when it comes to music. We're writing songs in these schools all the time, but um, how do we then kind of take our, our thoughts in our songwriting and go, hey, let's be intentional about writing a song that almost comes straight from scripture, like taking that scripture and then singing it in a way that makes sense, that goes together with the melody nicely, but is just straight Bible. I think we're, we've been, we've, we're so good at writing songs and really painting beautiful pictures and creating uh, these stories that are awesome. I think we need to have all of it. And there's just this idea of how do we also create a song that's just one pleasant to listen to but two uh helps people like if they just said those lyrics back to somebody they would actually be speaking the bible to those person yeah so that's the that's what we're, we're going for here that <laughs> is so cool how many so you've got 160 countries that wirearms in so how many bases currently running worship schools uh there's about 40 uh locations right now 40 locations. Okay. So it's just quite a big task to, to roll that sort of thing out yes, across them. Yes. Especially when everything's a little more decentralized and you're, you're connected because you're YWAM and you're connected over the values and the vision, but yet there's different leaderships leading those bases. And so to connect with them and then, can, and then, okay, who's finding the school of worship leader because everything's underneath that you of the university of the nations, 
which is the name of the university. And so then identifying those, the, the, the nice thing is we do have global leadership for school of worship. Uh, and those are my friends who are helping. So he's got all the emails. He's got all the people who are running and not running at the time. And so that's been helpful in order to kind of get that message and some of that training out. And we try to gather every two years as a school of worship community globally, just to be together, worship together, to remember what we're doing and to pray for one another in person. Cause so many people don't have that opportunity to uh, collaborate with their fellow school of worship people uh, because they're a little, maybe a little more alone where they're at. So it's nice to get everyone together in one place that's easily accessible for them and encourage one another. If there are people listening and they're thinking, I love the sound of YWAM, I love the sound of worship, perhaps we should tell them, how do people find out more about YWAM and how to connect, apply, pray for, uh, support, all those sorts of things? Mm -hmm. So you can go to ywam.org for our international website. That'll show you all the places that DTSs and upper level schools are running. And then particularly here in uh, Kona, you can go to ywamkona.edu. And uh, that will show you all the courses that we're doing here and be able to get plugged in. Okay. So, um, and you might be listening and you might right now be thinking, you know what, I know someone who this would be really good for. Follow that prompt. If you're thinking, ah, you know what, there's someone, maybe, maybe someone who needs a gap year, maybe somebody who at the moment, they're just like in that place where they just need God's nudge on their life. Uh, maybe, maybe come through right now, mention YWAM and say, you've heard this thing and it could be great for them. So sometimes <laughs> these doors just, just need a little bit of a crack open for people to be able to, to push and walk through. So yes, it's, it's exciting. What yes. God and I mean, just, just to add on to that, um, I was 19 years old when I first heard about YWAM from a Catholic priest in California. And I remember thinking to myself, because he had seen me doing mission stuff. I had started doing missions for the first time. And he goes, man, if you want to do this long term, you should you should check out these people. And and he even said, like, I was so impressed with how well they know the Bible. But I didn't know. I, he was like these YWAM people. And I didn't really know what he meant by that. I just kind of kept that in the back of my brain. And I, and then it wasn't until I was 26 when I met my wife. And she was like, when we met, she literally had only been home from her outreach for two weeks and she goes yeah i was in south africa with, with an organization called ywam have you heard of it all of a sudden my brain goes i was 19 years old when i heard a catholic priest tell me about this thing called ywam tell me more and but i was already thinking i would like to do that someday but how do i find that so that's amazing to even think like that this could be a seed opportunity for someone then to jump in so that's amazing that would be it'd be a brilliant thing so in fact strange enough so when i was mm, 20 and when i was 20 yeah. and my wife who was my girlfriend at the time she she was 18 uh we went on a summer mission with ywam down on the south coast in the uk uh and the person who came along to lead worship for us in a tent with probably about 150 people was matt redmond when he was a young guy <laughs> so i'm um, so wow <laughs> small world but there we go that is so, a small world um, but, uh, but yes, it's amazing who you sometimes meet when you do YWAM stuff uh, and, and a lot of fun. Okay, mm -hmm. so so what is it you feel God wants to teach you in this current season? For you personally, mm -hmm. what's he challenging you on? And what's he want to grow you uh, in? Wow, that's, that's an in incredible question. Um, I would say this, and it's it's been a continual learning. As I was younger, I felt like I trusted God, one, with my finances and with the direction of my life. And so then when he called us into back into missions again, but with YWAM, that felt like a really hard stretch because I had a really great salary position at a church in Southern California and a house that we owned. And I remember one morning in prayer um, thinking, how are we going to do this? Like, I, can I try to keep the house because we could rent it and eventually this could be a blessing to our family. And as I was journaling, I all of a sudden was writing and the words I wrote were, do you think you can take care of your family better than me? And I thought, Oh wow. And I said, Lord, I, at this moment in time, I kind of don't understand how you could do it better because there are, 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 there are issues here of what's going on. And then I realized, well, actually, if I'm honest with myself, of course, he's going to be better at it than I ever will be. And that was the moment in my, in my heart where I said, I can sell the house. I can let go of the house. 
So when we sold the house and so, uh, it, it, he, it feels like he just keeps taking us deeper because I was like, God, this would have been a lot easier to do before kids. And we could easily just pick up and do this thing. And he goes, no, I just want you to trust me so much. No, no matter how dire the situation seems, no matter how difficult it seems, I get, I can actually pull through. And so even right now, we're renting a home and it's been great. We're so grateful for it. Uh, and we're uh, like almost two years into a process of believing for a property. And so we've been actually praying for a 60 acre property. I don't know what that translates to you guys. S uh, 60 acres. Well, that's, yeah. that's probably the average UK town. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, <laughs> oh, wow. of course. But, but 60 <laughs> acres sounds to me like a very big yeah. amount of space. It's a huge amount of space and it's up the mountain and that's, there's a house there with a barn and I want to create, you know, tiny home places where people can come and just have retreat, get away, be with the Lord, hear from him, especially musicians and songwriters where they wouldn't even have to pay that they would just be able to come up. Just if you can get here, we've got a spot for you and there's a studio you can use and there's hiking trails up in the forest to, to be with the Lord. And so. I don't know actually how this is going to happen because we're believing for a very large sum of money. It's about 3.5 million right now. Okay. So, so 3.5 million US dollars? US dollars. Yeah. So just to translate that into UK, well, there's not much difference between a dollar and a pound at the moment. So we, we, we call that what? 3 million quid, roughly speaking. Okay. It's, it's quite a lot yeah. of money for someone who doesn't yeah. get paid to do their job. <laughs> exactly. And then <laughs> on top of that, thinking I'm not even going to charge people to stay there. I just want them yeah. to stay free. But, <laughs> so it's just like one of these things where, how is this going to work? I have no idea. I just feel so strongly that God wants us to be a blessing to others and especially to Hawaii and to the local community where even just this last week, we were being reminded of the great revival that happened here, 1700s, 1800s, something like that. And, and I want to see Hawaiians be, uh, awakened again to this spiritual aspect of their lives that God had started here and then to see their sound be released. And so what, what better way than to just go build the studio, build all the stuff and then just start recording them for free and, and, and their, and their church teams or worship teams and say like, Hey, let's, let's go deeper in the Lord together. Let's write together. What songs do your community needs? Does your community need to, need to sing and let's record those songs and here, here's this, give them to your community now. So that's wow. what we're, God is just really taking us deeper. What does it look like to trust him for everything, even our kids and, 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 and all that he's calling them to, to not go, Oh, wow. You want to be like, my, my son wants to be a pro surfer. And so I'm thinking, wow, you want to be a pro surfer. How many people actually end up making a living doing that? It is a small percentage. And yet I'm going, but God, you can do anything. And he'll learn. So how can we make this a place of, of growth, of learning, and allowing God to be brought into that and then to see his power move no matter what might happen at the end. Wow. That's what he's taking us deep in, yeah. That's really exciting. It's a it's definitely a faith journey, a journey of stretching yeah. your trust and and looking to see miracles. Um, it's a lovely vision. Yeah. I'm, yeah. See, I, I haven't, I've not started this journey that you're going on. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting there going, sometimes God's just, you can, I, I'm going to say these little quotes around it because I don't want to get zapped a, a little bit bananas. And it just seems to me like that is just so bonkers to, to, to give someone the vision, but God does do things that you go, that's just amazing. And this is the story of what God did when people were faithful and trusted him. And sometimes he's trusting yeah. him with the trusting with the little, and then he trusts us mm -hmm. with more and more as we go along. And it doesn't make any sense uh, in the secular world, the business world or, or to, yeah. To most people, they'd just go, "That's that dream. How could that possibly ever work?" But then, if you say to them, yeah. "Well, there's 160 countries in the world with YWAM bases, and oh, all of these, all these bases are run, but no one there gets paid a penny." Yes, it just shows God's amazing love. And the place that we were in when we were with YWAM was like a great big old mansion. I'm talking. <laughs> Massive, great big yeah. place. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, how on earth it ever came to be? It was called the King's Lodge in Nuneaton. How on earth mm -hmm. it ever came to belong to YWAM? I don't even know. But uh, God yeah. does some extraordinary things. So, so I certainly want to bless you as uh, as you go in that venture. It's fantastic. And what a journey for your Amen. son as well, wanting to be a, a pro surfer. 
Yeah. Probably the first person who's ever talked about pro surfing. Maybe because you're the first person who's ever come from Hawaii on the show. I don't know. So, um, That's amazing. But it's cool. Um, okay. So talking of other artists, okay, so you've got to work with Matt Redman. You've got to work with Leslie Jordan, who we had on the show quite recently. She was lovely. Um, yes. If you could choose anybody in the world to do a duet with, who would it be with? What would the song be about? And what stage would it be on? Just to, to be sure you understand, I'm not going to set this up for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, to be honest, I have such a, a wonderful friendship with Leslie. And um, she's been coming to Kona for the last few years. I've been inviting her. She's spoken in our school of worship in those, these last few years. And, but we've never had a chance to sing together. We've, we we just wrote that song together. I mean, it's the only song we've written together. And we thought we should do this. And it was an absolute amazing time. And then um, they even, her and her husband, they opened up their home for me when I went to record this, this album that's coming out in October. And um, it was just a wonderful thing. And so I've, I've always wanted, she's one of those ones that even today, I've always wanted to sing a duet with her. I think that would be amazing. And and she's a friend. And so to me, it'd be awesome to do it's for me, it's awesome to do things with friends. And so as amazing as it would be to maybe pick someone that's someone else that I don't know and want to get, I just love the idea of doing something with, with Leslie. It would be amazing to do a duet oh. with her. So, so the album, you mentioned that you've got an album coming out in October. So just a few weeks away. Now we're recording this in September, 2022. Um, what's the album going to be called? Uh, the album's going to be called To The One, and it'll come out October 21st, if my memory is serving me correctly. Okay. Uh, how many tracks are on it? There are going to be seven tracks. And uh, the, the basic idea of this album was, who is the one most worthy of my uh, affection and attention? And I've come to realize it is Jesus. And so I want these songs to be a place of one it, it, essentially it's to know god and to make him known but i'm using other language to really help us grow in this idea of the bigness of god and then the wow because he's so big as he's worthy of my my attention and my time and to make him known wherever i go and not in like it doesn't have to be big grandeur ways it can be wow i just met someone on the street today needed a bite to eat can i go get you some food as simple as something like that that i that my hope is that these songs would bring us to a place of utter adoration and worship of god and then from that place a conviction to live out the uh, truths of the bible to the people around us wow well that sounds like a a great thing to have and put into an album. It's like to have the right ingredients in there. Uh, and yeah. if people are wanting to, to listen to the album after the 22nd of October, 2022, uh, do they search up YWAM Kona or do they search up Chris McCool or? You'll search my name. And cause essentially what's happening right now is I'm doing a solo album, but it's from YWAM Kona music. So this, I'm the first solo artist to release a song through or an album through YWAM Kona music not as YWAM Kona artist, YWAM Kona music, the artist. So we, YWAM Kona music as, is an artist with integrity music, but we've also now created a way for individual artists inside of YWAM to release songs. And so I'm kind of pioneering this, we'll see how this goes. But in the meantime, I'm having a ton of fun doing it. Okay. So, so you're excited about the album. We're excited uh, to be able to play some tracks from it. And we've got one more track uh, called May the Lamb. Mm. Tell us yes. about that track. So um, May the Lamb is based off of this uh, Moravian revival that happened in Germany uh, on the land of uh, a man called Count Zinzendorf of all names. And I was really struck by uh, what God did in this community of of unity i've always i was just uh, uh imagine zinzendorf being this man who was just so uh good with words and and able to take these words and take the scriptures and go guys this fighting that we're doing even though you're all moravians but from different denominations this shouldn't be because we all love jesus and we all 
um, should be loving one another. And so then this unity that broke out, which then was some uh, revival that happened where they then started a time of worship and prayer that was almost unbroken for a hundred years. I, I just think that's phenomenal, but they, there was a saying that came out of that as they were starting to send missionaries, may the land receive the full reward of the suffering. And, and that just kind of haunted me for years. I just ha- would have that phrase in my head. And, and one day I was actually uh, walking back to my condo, which is just right there by the base at the time. And I had been, I just been spending the afternoon helping take a tree stump out of the ground on campus. So I was quite dirty. I was quite tired. And all of a sudden this, this melody started going through my head, but it was paired with that saying. And I thought, Oh, wow. I think this needs to be a song written that would uh, kind of bring that Moravian kind of spirit to the missions movement and to, uh, to Christians in general of, man, he's done so much for us. And, and so what can we do that he would receive his reward throughout the world? And so that's where the song was, was born from. Wow. Well, I've got to say, that's an interesting backstory and a fantastic song. For anyone who's listening who isn't sure what May the Lamb Receive the Full Reward for Suffering is about, can you explain that sentence? What, what does it mean? Yes. So uh, Jesus is, is the lamb who was slain, as we read in scriptures. And and so this idea of... Um, we we want to see he has given his life so that all people can have access to the father have access to being in the presence of god forever and ever and there's a reward and a deposit in every nation uh for him and so we as believers want to go to those places that he might receive the the reward of his suffering because he suffered and died on our behalf and that uh, uh, from every tribe, every tongue, every language, every nation, there would worship would arise, and and this is the greatest reward: worship arising from every place in in the world, and, and so that his suffering is never going to be in vain, but that we get to partner with God to see Him receive the fullness of what is due to Him, as as our King, as our Savior, as the Messiah. And that was May the Lamb by Chris McCall from YWAM Kona. And thanks so much to Chris for joining us today for the artist interview. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. There are many other episodes for you to enjoy. Just pop on to your favorite podcast platform and search up the artist interview. I'm your host, Gordon T. I look forward to joining you on the next episode. God bless. <laughs>